0: 52 yards should be just a nice comfortable nine iron for him they're gonna go nuts when he hits this thing
1: Yo, yo, what up, friends? Uh, welcome to the season finale of Preferred Lines. We are here. We have arrived to Eastlake. Uh, more on the event in a minute. Thank you for checking out the show. This is a golf gambling podcast streaming live on YouTube and Twitter right now. Audio versions available on iTunes and Spotify shortly after. Welcome to the Golf Gambling Club, your weekly meeting. Uh, this week, here's what we got on tap. I'm going to do a quick, quick course preview of Eastlake. I'm going to bring on a special guest, the PGA Tour caddy. My buddy John Rathaus is here to join me. Um, I'm just going to ask him some questions that I want to know about the relationship between caddy and player. We've seen it come up quite a bit lately. I think it would be a great insight to have him on the show. We'll talk through the betting boards, both the 72-hole stroke winner as well as with starting strokes. If you have any questions, uh, please feel free to drop those in the chat. I will do my best to ask those to John. A great resource to sort of fire away. He has told me that uh, he's willing to take on sort of anything tonight. I'll wrap up with my final thoughts. Um, If you're here, thank you. I appreciate you. Do me a favor. I'm going to ask anyone who's here checking this out to hop over to the YouTube page really quickly. Go to YouTube, prefer lines, hop there just so I can see your comments because I can't see those that are within the Twitter feed. Please post your comments. Twitter username, post your your you know at whatever into the chat. I want to be able to follow you. I want to be able to reach out to you for something special that I have planned after this show. I really didn't want to like hype this up before. I wanted to make sure I got people who are watching this thing live to sort of queue in. Okay. Beyond that, fantasy points, media group, proud to be a member of them. Lines twenty two is the promo code ten percent off a monthly sub over there. They're starting to wrap up the season. Things are getting better. They're building optimizers. They've got projections. They've got new tools. They've got a great content team over there. I'm happy that they are able to support the show. Here's what we have this week presented by them. East Lake Golf Club. We know the Donald Ross premium course on the PGA Tour, par 70, on the, the longish side, but not too long, a little over 7,300 yards, only two par fives on the course. Uh, Bermuda grass Green, Zoysia Fairways, beautiful, narrow, demanding you aren't going to see players tear this place up it typically plays very difficult um you know look in the minus 13 to 15 under range in terms of uh, without the starting strokes that typically wins this thing obviously we have the staggered formula i have thoughts on that that we'll get into we'll get into soon but without further ado i'm pumped to welcome this guest onto the show uh pga tour caddy has experience on the bag this year and very good experience from the Caddy Network, uh, does the Caddy line where he gave out and tipped Patrick Cantlay alongside myself to win this week. Welcome to Preferred Lines. Under the Strap Podcast host, John Radhouse. What's up, John?
0: What's up, Joe? Thanks for having me on, buddy.
1: Absolutely, man. Uh, thank you for joining me. What's I know you, your schedule's busy. You got anything coming up this fall you're excited about?
0: Oh, man, this fall. It's kind of, for me, it's like I don't know what's going to go on this fall. There might be a couple times out there looping. I might drop in on an ESPN live broadcast. Uh, I, I have no idea what's going to go on, but I'm going to keep keep hustling with the caddy network. We're going to keep doing our thing, the Under the Strap podcast and uh, the caddy line
1: and and catching up with caddies in general, just promoting caddying. Fantastic work that you've done. If you're not following John, you absolutely should. You see the name up there. It's at Rad House, um on Twitter. Uh, listen, I wanted to ask you. So you caddied a couple of times recently over the summer for Steven Yeager. We've had this, seen a lot of shifts lately in the caddy <laughs> player game. What's yep. like the, what's the player caddy contract situation like? Is it very informal? Is it like a handshake? Hey, let's do it this week. Or is it like written out contracts? This is how much I'm paying you. This is how long you're on the bag for. What's that typically like with a PGA Tour player and their caddy?
0: So honestly, it couldn't be any more informal and handshake. Now I got to think there's some guys out there that have some sort of contracts written down when you're starting talking about these guys that are caddies that are pulling in millions of dollars and stuff. But honestly, it's kind of the beauty of it all is that, you know, it's a handshake, it's a phone call, it's a, can you be there? And you kind of wheel and deal a little bit when you're setting up your terms and, and those can always be changed. But um, yeah, that's kind of how it is. And, and I think that also makes it a lot easier for like what you're saying when it's time to cut the, you know, cut ties, it's not like you're all bound up in a contract. I can't let this guy go. It's, you know, it's week to week. It's paycheck to paycheck. No guarantees, you know. And if your guy's doing good, you're doing good. And if he's doing bad, you know, if he's a nice guy, he's maybe taking care of you a little extra. Uh, maybe he gets injured, he throws you a little extra. I mean, it all depends on your player and use relationship. Some players are more generous than others. So, I mean, there, there's a lot of different angles
1: on it. But, but by and large, it's a handshake kind of thing what are the expectations like of between the caddy and the player on the week of an event? Like, um, is everything sort of like, are they taking care of all your expenses? Number one. And two, like what's the expectation for you? When do you get to the course? How soon before the player are you there? Do you, are you there on a Monday? Like walk me through kind of like briefly a week. Yeah.
0: So, you know, I mean, the expectation is, you know, that you're, you're first of all, I guess you get paid an upfront, Salary basically for the week, okay. and that's going to cover all your expenses. So I book my own flight, I book my own rental car, I book yeah. my own place to stay. Now there's different circumstances where that gets changed. Sometimes you go out of the country to play a tournament, and your player's like, "Hey, it's more expensive. I got that plane flight, and then here's your your weekly check." um As far as like when you got to be there, you know, if you're going from one week to the next, Monday's typically a travel uh, day on tour. Uh, You get started maybe Monday night, Tuesday morning. I always like to walk the golf course if I can on my own beforehand or at least nine holes, particularly if it's a course my player's never seen before or maybe I've never seen it. So when we go out in the practice rounds, you know, we're not flying blind, both of us, or, you know, I'm already one step ahead. I mean, that's the whole caddy game is how many one step aheads can you have on a daily basis, a weekly basis? Now, you know, I remember when I went to work for Martin Laird, Uh, right before the players championship Uh, we had never worked together before and my wife and I had a baby on the way and I said hey we've got this Monday we're gonna go look at the baby and the you know the ultrasound and he's like dude I get it but Tuesday morning you got to be there and so you get a little few things there and there but there's also some guys that you know you got to be there this time this day being on time I mean show up shut up, keep up. Uh, I, got, I got let go uh, years ago by Brett Wetterick, 2011. We had a win together on the Corn Fairy Tour, played really well. Unfortunately, I decided to stay by myself one week at a Hampton Inn in Wichita, Kansas. I thought I was flying high. He was paying me good. And I, I slept through my alarm and I missed our meetup time by a good bit. And we were doing great. And he called me the next day and he said, dude, I love you, but I can't trust you. And, and that stuck, that was a hard, hard lesson. Um, you know, and Brett and I were, we were really doing good and it hadn't, I'm not saying you hadn't heard much from, from because of me, but he ended up getting injured and kind of falling away. And that was a really tough lesson. I mean, I was already, you know, seven years into caddying, but, but that's, I mean, you, you really got to take care of your, your, your P's and Q's, you know, cross your T's dot your I's if, if you want to be successful at the gig.
1: Show up. Shut up. Keep up. You mentioned that. And it, it brings, you know, a thought to mind. Um, a guy, Paul Erickson, I believe is his last name, asked uh, when I put this out that I was going to talk to you. Um, how hard is it to get your player to not hit a shot that he wants to hit, basically? Yeah. And of course, uh, Jordan Spieth and Greller come to mind. Right. It seems like they're in this situation like every other week. Um, yeah. Your boy wants to pull something off. You know, it's a bad decision. Yeah is it i'm sure it differs obviously for every person in the relationship sort of on and off the course that you have with them but um where like where are the boundaries like are you able to step in and just be like no, like, don't be stupid here. Like, this is not the right decision. Or are you just there to sort of keep your mouth shut and ultimately hand him the club and, and reiterate confidence that he's going to be able to pull it off when you know it's not the right call? Yeah. In, 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 in most
0: cases, the latter is right. I yeah. mean, you're, you're, you're really trying to at least make him feel confident, even if you know it's a 2-100 and 100 kind of shot. Um, it's harder. Earlier on in a relationship, you know, you want to – you want to keep your job. You don't want to overstep too much, you know? So, but then at the same time, like when I went to work for Jaeger, for example, I'd never worked for him before knew him. And he told me right away, he goes, you know, I don't like having regular caddies. And I don't know if he's always going to be this way, but he said, I don't like a caddy being afraid of losing their job. So they're not going to tell me what they think. And I was like, Mm -hmm. all right, this works for me. Like I'm just filling in, man. And we, we really got along really well for those couple of weeks. And, you know, hopefully there's another one, but, um, yeah, I mean, when your player's about to do something stupid, uh, you do have some opportunities to step in there. Um, you better have some facts. Yeah. You better have some alternatives. Um, and, you know, the the one with uh, Spieth and Grello the other week, I mean, you know, I, obviously Jordan looked to be in a mental space where he wasn't even open to, you know, being talked out of it, which was tough. And I, you could tell that Michael – figured that out after a little while. I mean, they've been around enough together and he's seen him pull off these amazing shots. And he's like, I can clearly tell I'm not going to win this argument. So I'm not going to sit here and be like, dude, I'm going to break every club in your bag. You're not hitting this shot. You know, the cameras are right there. Like that was tricky because I know Greller knew that it probably wasn't going to happen. But at the same time, it's the second round or it was the second or the third round. Like the time of the tournament makes a big difference too on, on when you have to make that call. It's your bones uh with Phil, that whole veto power thing that comes into play. So I mean, yeah, sometimes you gotta come in there and say, dude, no way, and talk him sense into him. But if you don't have facts to back it up, then you might as well just step aside. And he might pull it off, but you know, if he doesn't, you at least better
1: support him. When we've seen like some of these players who will switch a caddy and then immediately it flips a switch for them and they they find a level of success and they they find um, something that they've been searching for in terms of a win. I think about Zala Torres. I think about Scotty Scheffler, these type of players this season who made that tough switch. Justin Thomas was another one, even though he had some success. I think, you know, switching the bones took him to another level and he realized that Mm -hmm. what is it? How important is the team aspect? Because I've always thought, you know, it's such an individual sport, but it does really feel like to me that it's an entire team around a player that ultimately makes him successful. Um, Brooks often talked about this actually very openly, that it was Ricky, it was his chef. And like when he had his team and his trainer, like Pete Brooks, when he was bringing Team Brooks to the tournament – like, he was there to win, and, like, that's yeah. what he needed for success because they fueled him, they gave him that confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, how monumental is a player making a shift like that? Do you feel like it's just happenstance that they happen to get that win right after, or is there really a lot to that relationship, and a small change like that can really lead you to take off?
0: Yeah, so what's interesting is that oftentimes when you when you start a job with a guy, you know, it's, it's very circumstantial, it's very timing-based. Maybe you get a recommendation, you know each other, and all of a sudden you link up. And oftentimes, you know, the player is like, this is going to be a good idea. I want to hire this guy. Sometimes it's not that way. The agent calls and says, hey, you know, I got this caddy. You need a caddy. Like, let's try it. And that works. So, you know, a lot of times it works right away, right? And it's going good. And, and you're racking up wins on the Corn Ferry Tour or you're top 10. And, and you mentioned those three guys. And it's a, you're an integral part. Now, no caddy ever hits the shot. Um, but you're part of the vibe for that week, if anything, Mm -hmm. right? It doesn't matter if you've never done it before. And you know, in my case, I came home for the birth of our daughter and Martin Laird won that week with a friend on the back. Now it was kind of a crazy circumstance, but you know, that guy was there that week and that was the result. I'm not saying that if I was there, he would have won, but it's just like, you're bringing the vibe for that week and you're responsible, you know, for a lot of what the player's feeling and, and stuff. And so in those circumstances, you noted, They're all a little bit different. I mean, I think Justin Thomas, you know, uh, his caddy, uh, Jimmy had decided he was kind of wanted to retire, step away for whatever reason. Bones comes on, great fit. Bones said, this is the only guy I'd ever caddy for. Now Bones comes with all these accolades. And so Justin's like immediately bursting with confidence. I trust this guy. He knows what he's doing. And that, I mean, we knew that one was going to go well. The Scotty Scheffler one, I mean, Scott McGinnis now with Mito Pereira. Great caddy, winning caddy on the PGA Tour. They worked very well together. And then, you know, Scotty wasn't getting over the hump for whatever reason. And here's Ted Scott available to work, Masters winning caddy, all these wins. Now he's got more experience than Scotty. You can't refute that than Scotty McGinnis. So he gets on the bag instantly, puffed up with confidence. And then their schedule just matched up so nicely with all these courses that Scotty or that Ted Scott had been successful at. Now Scotty yeah. had played well at some of those, and that was brilliant. And then the one was Al Torres here at the end. I mean Ryan, you know, great caddy as well. They've done a lot of great stuff together. And there was all this like stuff building up. Like for a guy that had second year on tour, like hadn't won yet. Like that's not really a big deal. It's like, hey, just keep knocking on the door. But for him, it was just building and building and building, and it was just like. And he had to just let Ryan go because it wasn't going. And then you knew it's just the law of cadding. That next guy that was going to come in, if he had a pulse, it was going to work out. And that's not a reflection on Ryan at all. It was just right. like, and and I didn't realize that um, that um, Joel, who came on, had had a win there with Ben Crane before seven years earlier. Is a wow. good green reader. I mean, so all these things go into play and, and, and that one pop, that one didn't surprise me. So it's crazy how it all can happen.
1: How long, how long before you mentioned you, you left Martin Laird's bag for one week, how long were you on the bag before that? Not long. I mean, I started with the players, then COVID hit,
0: then he got injured before we restarted. So we was set up the morning. Shriners. Yes, it was the Shriners. Yeah. And I, I'd probably worked five events for him. We were just kind of, Starting up and and you know he was playing well. I could sense it was building and all along I was like, hey, I'm going. By the way, I'll be home this week. And he got an invite actually into that tournament last minute, and literally six hours before my wife's water broke, he tapped in at Shriners for the win. And it was it was crazy. It was a big from a caddy perspective. It was a kick in the nuts. It was like, are you serious? You know, I was where I wanted to be, where I where I should have been. And yeah, fine, life goes on, but. uh I always joke because we named her Winnie. So it's like, he got a win and I got a (laughs) Winnie. And, you know, I got to to caddy for him a few other times. But at the end of the season, he was like, dude, I love you. But I got to go, you know, I I had some success, this other guy. And I was like, hey, I get it, man.
1: Is there an expectation that, like, you're going to get a little, like, check on the side in that type of situation? Like, do you think, Will, without, like, putting him out there, having a caddy for two years, he leaves yeah. the bag for one week. You win a, a, a FedEx cup playoff event. Like, are you like, okay, me and the new guy are going to split this one. Uh, Cause he just hopped on. I did all the leg work and he yeah. got you across the finish yeah. line. I would
0: say if anything, in that scenario, I wouldn't be surprised if Will wrote uh, Ryan a check for the exact same amount that he wrote Joel. Hmm. Now that would be really generous, but I wouldn't be surprised. I'd also wouldn't be surprised if you didn't give him anything. Cause he's like, Hey, this guy's made a ton of money with me. You know, I mean, he, he certainly paid out whatever, you know, Ryan had a hotel book for the next week and all that. Like, that's commonplace. Like, all right, here's your weekly salary for next week. You know, you know, good luck to you. But in that case, it was a little different. It was like knocking on the door, knocking on the door. And then uh, yeah, it'd be nice if he cut him a check. I, I don't know. It's not an expectation. It'd be nice. Yeah,
1: it's it's really interesting how um, the dynamic works. And and you know, like Tom Kim, you were the first to kind of break the news last week. Got to win. All of a sudden, he's changing things up. I can remember a friend of mine who I've played golf with down here in Florida a couple of times is Albin Choi. So Albin yep. at the Honda was basically kind of trying to qualify for the event and like sitting mm-hmm. in a room and. Yep. Uh Sungjae was like does anybody needed a caddy and was like is there anybody in here that speaks Korean and Alvin is like I speak Korean he's like you're on the bag they win four days later so it's yep. crazy how this can, can kind of come in like what's with, with something like Tom Kim how could you how could you win an event and then all of a sudden switch it up does that make any sense to you?
0: That was brutal I felt so bad for Jacob I was there with him when he took the flag off the thing we interviewed him he's like you know all oh, the masters the president's cup I'm going to go to century and he you know, I've, I've been a little bit more cautious. I do a winning caddy interview and some of these guys like Patrick Cantley's guy, like he, they're there to get like, that's cool. Like, unless something crazy happens, but some of these guys you get on and you win or you come up from the corn Ferry tour and you kind of hanging around and you never know that one. I will tell you with a hundred percent confidence, as you reference Sung J M um, Tom Kim did not make that decision. Tom okay. Kim's dad made that decision or his agent made that decision. And they said, mm-hmm this is what you're doing. I I would put 99% guarantee on that. And and it's just a Korean thing. I'm just telling you straight up, caddying for Korean players on tour is different than any other deal. Right. And that's nothing against Korean people. I've caddied for some Korean guys. They're great players. They're hard workers. It's just, the, they're societal. It's, thing. it's just a cultural thing. It's different. and And they aren't always the, the lead decision maker on their team. And, and so that'd be my guess on that. They say, oh, you, you need a more experienced guy. I know he just won, but you need more experience. Very interesting, man. Oh, I am going to get God. to this question.
1: We, we kind of talked about this a little bit before, Brian, but um, I think what he's essentially asking for, like your guys trying to hit a shot, 10 cup moment. At what point, like, are you kind of feeling him out? Um, before you're even getting to the spot to try and like put some thoughts in his head, like this is what I think you should do. Like at what point do you go, okay, it's, your, it's, it's up to you. Here's the club, pull it off.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I've always noticed and I've made some adjustments as I've gotten more experience. Um, kind of bringing things up in the middle of the round is, is, is usually doesn't go great. Um, you know, I had some adjustments on a couple things with Jaeger before we started on Saturday or Sunday. And I said, hey, man, before we get out there, you know, there was two lines that I thought we could do different. And I gave it to him. I didn't surprise him, said it to him on the range. Now, that's a little different scenario. But the the point is that it's a very delicate thing. These guys are going along, they're playing golf. And if you, you know, pull one thing the wrong way, push one thing the wrong way, you're always pushing buttons out there. You're probably never doing as much as you maybe think you are. But it's always easier to make things go wrong than right. So, in, you know, in those situations, you really got to just read your guy, his body language. Oftentimes, the way a guy pulls the club out of a bag. I mean, if we're going to do something that's a little risky, but I mean, that three iron comes out like that. And he says you know, he, the way he talks to you better read that because but if it's like he's got his hand on two clubs. OK, that's an invitation for you to get involved because you're like, all right, I need this guy is a little uneasy here. So then you get your facts out. You really try to paint the situation to him. And then that oftentimes helps him make the decision. So that's the whole job. It's, yeah. it's presenting facts so that they're empowered to make decisions. And, and then they're always got protecting their ego. They might give you a shout out at the end or not, but you know, hey, I helped him here or there. Um, and oftentimes it's saying nothing
1: is, is the best catting that you can do. What a great way to put it. Are you okay, John? Stick around for the uh, betting board segment for a little bit. I'd love to. I checked him out this morning. All right, cool. Let me hear All right, betting board brought to you by Fantasy Golf Pod. My boys Chad, Josh, Eric over there. Like Wednesday night, last call before the bar closes. They are the last show in town if you want to get your lineup set, you want to get any final bets in. Uh, Fantasy Golf Pod bringing you this segment where we're going over the betting board. Okay, so let's start here, John. Uh, winner with starting strokes, Scotty yes. Scheffler, huge favorite, plus 240. Patrick cantlay all the way down to plus 330 at DraftKings. He was like four and a half to one earlier. Xander, six to one. Will Zalatoris. Question marks there at 10 to one Rory, 11 to one. I'll stop there. Yeah. Um, like how deep are you willing to go here, John, with the starting strokes? Like how far back you think some guy can come and, and, and win this thing from? Yeah. In reality, not very. I mean, you
0: referenced it in the yeah. show open there, right? This is a really difficult golf course. And so it makes it for an interesting scenario with this format they're choosing to do now. Like it's hard to make up strokes. Um, and for the guy at the top, like you can kind of just, even par two under three under, like, I mean, you're in a really good spot in that position. Now also it's easy to fumble and go backwards too. Um, But with so many good players, you you know that the majority are going to keep moving up the board. Um, It depends on the player. I mean, I would go further down potentially for a, for a Justin Thomas, right? I mean, he proves to be really well in these situations. So he'd be one that I would maybe be willing to go down for. But honestly, when I look at that, this morning, like I had my eye on one guy in particular, and I saw a bet. I don't know what side it was on, but you could group the top three at minus 200 and take your chances.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. So you had
0: Scheffler, Kale, and Xander for minus 200. You could do that. I mean,
1: great. So I, I don't know how far down the board would you be willing to go? So I did take Justin Thomas. I got a 28 to one. I feel like he, um, anytime a course is, is. Super demanding. I like that. I feel like he did have a, have, you know, although it wasn't necessarily in a strokes game perspective, a positive thing. Um, the look like he was putting with a lot more confidence last week. Long iron play is is particularly key here. Uh, six par fours that are over 450 yards. Now that's not that's not long. Do these guys show up and are like, man, this is a long par four <laughs> at 500 yards, or are they just like, give me a driver and then a seven iron?
0: Yeah, well, you know, I mean, you, you see these yardages and, and there's yeah. a lot of guys in the in the gambling space that do a really good job. I mean, you know, yourself, uh, PGA Tour Tout, I mean, yeah. these guys that that look at the yardages, I mean, Rick Rick Gaiman does a great job at just breaking down courses with overhead views and total yardages and really getting a good idea for the most part of how a course is going to play. Like, I I really admire that. And I have a different perspective because a lot of these courses I've been to and so I kind of know what hole 450 yard hole at this course going this wind direction is a completely different hole, you know, and it changes on the day based on the winds. I'm super in, intrigued by the uh, what's the new uh, thing that's out now where you're betting on a daily basis um, picks. What is it called? What is it?
1: Oh, prize, of, picks.
0: prize picks. Yes, That fascinates me because I'm looking at pin sheets. I'm looking at weather conditions, like there's so many things that go into play there, but yeah, I mean, by and large, a, a 450 yard hole these days is like, you're saying, it's a driver and a, and a mid iron, but you get into a stiff breeze or you have to club back, you know, it, it changes the game.
1: Um, yeah. Um, another question is just kind of follow up on more of the caddy stuff. Well, I got you, yeah, I just have so many, so there's so much like, and I feel like gambling and in fantasy, I feel like this, but I know nothing. Right. But I feel like this, this, influx of people doing content on gambling and fantasy and anyone trying to get an edge has brought so much more data to the table in terms mm-hmm. of strokes gained like 200 to 225 you can pull up data golf or fantasy yep. national and all this stuff like and for you being someone who's kind of like between the two do you <laughs> it are players into this do you ever bring it to their attention like hey like fantasy national uh has you third in the field in strokes gained from 200 plus like should we try to stick to these yardages? Are players open to this kind of stuff? Are they receiving this data anyways in a better form? Some more than others. I mean, there's guys that have that guy on their team, right? That's
0: a data guy and they figured out how to break it down and present it to them. And I, I think those guys are super smart. I think you're losing an edge if you're not in that space. As far as my catting, I use the decade goal. I use Scott Fawcett. Like when I'm yeah. caddying, I'll email Scott and he'll send me a, a, a spreadsheet, not a spreadsheet, like literally like a graphic of the previous year and it'll have all the pin locations used and there's little dots you know if it's a if it's a bogey it's black if it's a if it's a par it's blue if it's a birdie it's red and i'll look at those and i'll see trends so i'll know like hey if we miss it in this area on this pin that's dead you know and so i will use that to kind of edge my players one way or the other when i'm out on the golf course Uh, From a data perspective, I mean, I had a caddy reach out to me the other day because I've been in this fantasy national thing for a year and a half now looking at it, and it was a complete mind blow for me. And I got a buddy that's like, hey, and I showed him their stuff, and he's like, I want to show this to my player. And I was like, that's cool. Like, maybe you should wait till your first off (laughs) to do that. Like, we don't need to start breaking down how he sucks on Bermuda grass at the FedEx St. Jude. But anyways, you know – it, when the fantasy national thing blew my mind coming from the caddy ranks, right? Every week you're out there with your player. Now, some weeks I get it, but you're like, all right, we're going to win this week. We're going to do this, this, and this. We're going to be in the mix. We're going to win. And and that's why I'm there, right? I'm there to make some money. I'm there to get my guy across the finish line. You start looking at the Spanish national stuff and you go, you, I'm looking at it now. I'm like, well, that guy doesn't have a chance. That guy doesn't have a chance. That guy doesn't have a chance. Now, I'm not saying that's across the board because every week there's upsets and all this and that. But I I find that fascinating with the data is that there's this course fit that can kind of bubble to the top. And I think, you know, I've always been into like looking at, you know, course history and stuff. I think the people that are really good at this um, are able to take guys that have limited course history or not very good course history, but have the form coming in and equate that to a possible good week. I'm really fascinated by that angle. I think the guys that are the best at this handicapping, like yourself, are able to kind of take some educated risks on some guys based on data they're
1: seeing. I've been called a course history truther many (laughs) times on this show. Uh, I I really do believe in it, and I factor it in uh, more than I would say uh, 90 other percent of people do, because um, I feel like there's something to it. I feel like if you were to introduce it in – to other sports, um, what's unique about golf is you know I I came from a background of playing football, soccer, basketball, hockey. These sports with a confined arena. That's the exact same spec every time you go. What's yep. unique about golf is the field changes every week, not the field in terms of the players. I mean the actual field in which they're playing on changes. Right. Like yeah. if they were to extend, uh, uh, if they were to extend a basketball court. 50 yards like (laughs) the gap in which lebron james is so good would be even greater because he moves at these ridiculous speeds his endurance is there um he would have a further advantage over the other players in the field now if they shrink it and do like a half court basketball game big players like the post guys the shacks of the world are going to have a huge advantage and i really do feel like uh sometimes that gets overlooked in golf and trying to find not only a course fit But a guy who has had uh, previous success at this event from a confidence perspective, and how much that means to an everyday eight handicap like myself to go to a course where you've had previous success versus a course that you struggle at. Just setting foot on that first tee can be a big difference in in how you play.
0: Totally, and and you know, I just I'll just say this. Um, You know, I was now I'm not working for anybody regularly, but I'm kind of looking at some of these guys like, hey, I'm going to work for somebody at Napa, so I'm going to get on there. I'm going to go look like. I'm looking at guy. I'm like, dude, he's got some good strokes gain there. Like, yeah. I if I could pick an event, so I already sent my text to Jaeger right when the season was over. I said, Steven, Sanderson Farms. I go, Sheamus had some good tournaments there. I I love that golf course. I see you've got some good vibes there. Hey, let's link up. Maybe it'll be a great week. So I've been using it that way to kind of reverse engineering on the on the getting bag side of things. How long that lasts, I don't know. But uh, yeah, you, you listen.
1: When uh, when when you decided you and your wife decided it was time to have a baby, missing out on the Desert Fox in Vegas was was <laughs> was not the best timing on your end out there for him. I know, I know, it was. There he goes for his second one. Uh, but listen, here's who. So I mentioned I took Justin Thomas to twenty-eight oh, yeah. to one. I'm going to show you my best bet of the week, John, and it's a guy who's starting from a couple of strokes back, but he's familiar with it. He's done it before. All the numbers are pointing for it to me. Uh, I bet Rory McIlroy at 12-1. to All right. I hit it pretty heavily. Uh, First in strokes gain total. He's having like an all-time PGA Tour year in terms of scoring average. Would he say it's been a disappointment? Probably so. I think it's been a little bit of a disappointment just because he hasn't had those first-place finishes. But from a consistency standpoint, um, he's having one of the best years in PGA Tour history like Tiger Woods. Birdie or better rates, he's been fantastic. If you're going to come back, from six back on the leaderboard, you're going to need a lot of birdies to do it. He's great there. He's yeah. obviously number one in driving distance. He made, he did things to even that place in Wilmington that was was silly last week where he was hitting some approach shots from. Um, yeah. That's a huge advantage, particularly on the, on like a Donald Ross type course with these different quadrants that you have to land the green on in order to get to some of the pin locations. Yeah. You really have to come in with a shorter club in order to be able to access them. I think that he can do that. Strokes game total at Eastlake throughout his career second. He's been fantastic there. I snapshotted the picture that's in every uh, sort of PGA Tour commercial. The course history is there. The recent form is there. I'm not going to go to the top. I thought about Scotty, but, you know, I, I'm coming off a winning week. I'm feeling a little ballsy. I'm going to go 12 <laughs> to 1 on Rory. What do you think? All right. Hey, I like it. You can't bet
0: against Rory. He, all right, He is having a monster season. Um, you know, I caught up with uh, Cantlay's caddy, uh, Revy, last week. And then we have a podcast that dropped with him today, but he, I did ask him about Eastlake cause they obviously got it done there last year. And I was like, one thing that comes to mind about Eastlake and he says, driving the ball. Like, he's mm-hmm. like, you, you need to be in the fairways there. If you're out of the fairways, it just changes the whole equation. Cause now you're, you're having to judge Bermuda lies into these quadrants that you're referencing and you get, you know, above the pin, you're done. All of a sudden you're aiming to bunkers on purpose or you start, getting off by five yards, 10 yards. And now you're ending up in this completely different place on fast greens. So being in the fairway or like the modern player, like close to the fairway, but further down is a good thing. Um, I, I don't hate the bet, especially in the odds at 12 to one, like that's a cool thing about the factoring the strokes in this week. The guy that I'm on is more at the top of the board um, is Xander Schauffele. Yeah. And, and I think you're really getting good value on him in the, in, in the strokes portion at like seven and a half to one because I saw in the no strokes he's like an eight to one favorite he his course record here is amazing he's got a win two seconds a fifth and a seventh and he's coming in with two wins like a month ago like and he played decent last week I, I just really like I think Xander's gone to another level in these last two months where he is more comfortable out there you know, for a long time, you know he he's very he shines very closely to Jason Day. Jason Day grinded it out on the Corn Ferry Tour. Everybody anointed him as the great one, but I'm I'm telling you, he's had to earn it as he gone, and now he's faded a little bit right now. Xander's not a natural alpha dog in turn from my perspective, but he's learning the game, and and he's won here before. I think he's ready to take down the whole thing. One thing I really like them him and Austin, his caddy are so dialed on the greens and this is the year of first year of no greens books. And they put the shit out of these greens. So I, I really like Xander this week in terms of like having to, you know, get, you know, not a great return, but maybe be willing to put, you know, a big bet up on a guy at
1: the top. Yeah. I put that thing at the bottom of the Rory graphic there that he was second in strokes game total at Eastlake. Um, Xander was first, yep. Justin Thomas was third. So um, obviously only starting a couple strokes back. It, he, sometimes Xander, it feels like to me, um, and, the, and this really happened uh, Sunday to him, which is the reason he wasn't in contention, like doesn't take advantage of par fives. Mm. Um, and, it, and I don't think he got any of them on Sunday, and they were the easiest courses. And had he gotten them the way that Patrick Cantley, who was number right. one last week in par five scoring, who was also number one heading into the week in par five scoring, really leverages those. And on a course sure. where, where par fours are hard and you almost just want to kind of play like level, maybe one under on the par fours, if you can go three under on those par fives, there's only two this week, mm-hmm. um, which should help someone like Xander who does yeah. play these long, he really plays sort of 200-yard par threes really mm-hmm. well. Um, I do I do like that bet. I'm going to switch over to, to the other market, which is um, basically without the starting strokes, which is more mm-hmm. traditional. So it's who wins. This is gets a little cloudy to me, John, because it's like like last year, John Rom and Kevin Na won okay. this way. Um, Patrick Cantley won the event. I don't know that there's ever been a situation um, where where a player has won both. I, I'd have to look back at that, but it just it feels a little convoluted as you start to go down. Like if you were you know betting someone like some JM twenty two to one, what? From a player perspective, it gets cloudy because you could have someone like Scheffler or Cantlay who who are up big and they're kind of just trying to not make mistakes on Sunday. Do you think that's yeah. a real thing or is that just oh, a narrative yeah. I'm playing in my head? No, I think here we are
0: as gamblers left on our own this week. There's no tutorial on this. It's like yeah. you have to kind of do the math in your head and then there's a ton of this mental side of it too. Like who's got incentive to just fire up that board and who's going to maybe be a little bit more guarded if it's right because there's how many $15 million to the winner of this thing? Like these guys 4 million
1: are, for fourth place, by the way, which is yeah. like, it's like winning a live event for four <laughs> big money this week.
0: These guys, is their one chance to be on the live tour this week? Yeah, and uh yeah, no, I mean, and I was talking to, to Revy about that too. And he's like, you know, our approach last year was we didn't even talk about it. We didn't think about it. It didn't matter to us. Now, Cantley can pull that off. The exactly. one guy you just threw out there, I kind of like Sung Jae this week. He's playing good. He doesn't have great course history here. He's a good Bermuda putter. He's driving the ball well right now, which is what I like. And he's got nothing to lose. Like, So I don't mind a guy like I think Sung Jae will be focused on this thing uh, the whole week. Um, I was so into Finau for a while. I've kind of cooled on Finau a little bit. Um, I think you're an idiot if you don't put 10 bucks on Sepp Straka this week. Hmm. Um, at the way bottom of the board. I mean, the guy that's playing really well. You know 30, 30 he's played this one. golf course before, a, a Georgia guy. And and he's four of his best tournaments this year. is win, he finished great at the Players, and then he was at Hilton Head and at um maybe Bay Hill or something. He All of his top tens were at Bermuda Tracks. Yeah, he won the so,
1: Honda.
0: The Honda, yeah. I mean, so he's on my radar. I, I'm also intrigued. Uh, but I don't know if he makes enough birdies uh, on Aaron Wise um, towards the bottom of the board as well. I mean, obviously hitting a good and his putting has kind of come to life. I was I was interested in Adam Scott for a while too, but then I noticed like when he played Weller in the past, he was hitting the ball great and not making any putts, and now he's he's not statistically hitting the ball as well, but he's really putting the lights out of it. So maybe he could catch fire. I don't know what are you, what are you doing
1: with this thing? It's, it's it is crazy. You're right. Uh, I did take Jay, actually, like you mentioned. Nice. I think I got 24 to 1. I also took Justin Thomas to kind of double down on that bet there, at 14 to 1. Um, that's kind of like a normal outright number that you get on JT. And mm-hmm. you think about, like, he's going – like, we're not going to have really – if he's going to win, we're not going to really have to worry about him, like – playing the safe role and like yes he's got here and shoot four even par rounds he's gonna have to fire like a 65 in there and go pretty yeah. low um so he's going to play very aggressively which i like which i do think is when he plays his best mm-hmm. um in 14 like like look is 14 to 1 in a normal 156 man event now this is the best 30 players in the world but you might only have like 28 of them if zalatoris yeah. and cam smith like there's not a lot of competitors so i do yeah. feel like that number is pretty fair yeah. Um, interesting what you said about Straka. So I bet him a couple of, I bet him when, I bet him the week before he played really well. I think it was the window because he yep. switched back to Bermuda. And I was looking at that same thing. I'm like, man, this guy's missed six cuts in a row, but he tore up Bermuda grass all season. And he's going back to that from the Midwest. Mm-hmm. Maybe he has a good week. I was one week off there. Yeah. You know, if you're looking at guys down here at the bottom of the board, you want someone who, who has that really low round, who has a 63 or 64 and has that in him and can shoot another – like, Sahith kind of comes to mind. Like, he always has that one, like, seven or eight under day, and it's just kind of treading water, and it's one bad day that's killing him, but that happens to a lot of young players. But the ability to shoot 63 when the average is, like, 69 on a day is – he's got that
0: no i that's i i did take a peek at him and and i was his driving accuracy is not great and then no. obviously he's gonna be going around here with no experience his caddy the same too and him and carl are great together i i see them winning in this upcoming season um is he a veteran caddy he is yeah he's 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 been out on tour and interestingly he uh he met sahif uh or well he was an assistant coach at pepperdine Huh. And then Sahith came here, so he might have recruited him. Um, but, yeah, no, Carl, Cardinals, what's up? He And he's so focused on Sahith right now. Like, I've talked to him a couple times. Like, I'm on Team Sahith. I'm not doing any social media. Like, I'm so stoked about this guy. I'm, I'm going to just – I'm working hard for him. And, and he's you know, got like, a I'm hoping – Yeah, yeah, he's got a golden ticket. So, I, I wouldn't be surprised see Sahith, Sahith makes some noise this week. I, it might be a little early for him. Interestingly, this field, like, I think – I don't know how many of the live guys affected that – but there's a lot of new names here, um, yeah. and you know a lot of guys that maybe haven't, you know, like a JT posting great player, you know, having a nice year. He made his way in. Um, you know, there was a few other ones that were a bit, you know, um, Ryan Harmon's had a great year, but you know, I mean, he's in it again. Um, I don't know who else, Scott Scott Stallings got yeah. hot, and he's in the thing. Um, K H Lee had an amazing Sunday to get in. Yep, yep. Good so there's, so it's not as it's not as strong of a field. So I, I don't know if you have as many winners in the end of this thing. You know, it's not like all 30 guys I don't think really can win. Um, you know,
1: not that every week it's like that, but I don't know. It's it's an interesting field this week. What are your candid thoughts on the starting strokes format? Do you feel like there's an alternative that is better? Or is this just like the, the – the, is this the best of the bad options?
0: You know, I saw our friend uh, – Uh, Jeff Feinberg had a tweet about this today or something. He's like, well, welcome to the annual one where the tour doesn't think we're smart enough to figure out points and an outright winner at the same time. And I kind of tend to agree with him. I I think what they should do with this thing is the FedEx Cup should be decided at the end of the regular season. And then they should go into this silly season, three-week banger of a thing, or maybe they want to do something different with it you know, maybe end the regular season at East Lake. That's fine. But it's just, there's the drama. It just gets so, like, I, I don't even understand how Scotty Scheffler is in the lead. I think two years ago, you know, he, I mean, he hasn't won a playoff event, but then Zala Torres withdrew. Like, I, I'm, I am a little confused, and it feels artificial. So, I don't yeah. think it's the best system. I think, if
1: anything, terminating it early would be a, a better way to play it. Yes, I don't like that all of a sudden, um, you know, it, it feel like it felt like Cantley jumped. Like, like, how did Cam Smith, how was he not in second and not Cantlay? Right. Like, that doesn't feel very fair. It feels like Scotty and Cam Smith had the best years. Um, to me, and, and I know uh, my buddy Jish had, had a bracket sort of that went kind of viral today. I tweeted it out, I look back uh, in 2018 where I made like a mock little graphic of of, a, uh, of what I proposed back then. Now, it may have changed a little bit, but here's what I was thinking. 32 guys in, top four basically get buys. In every other match, if you are the highest seed, you technically you don't have to win the match. So it's match play, but if you're all square at the end of 18, it does oh. not go into extra holes, the higher seed will advance. Oh. So the onus is upon the lower-seeded player to beat them. Right, um, and, and actually in a head-to-head match. And I think that the concern that most people give is that it's not as exciting that you could end up like we've had it at Dell WGC with Kisner and Horschel in the yeah. finals, and, and I feel like if you narrow it down to these 30 guys, um, you're not going to be ending up with that. Like From what I saw from, from the drama, and, and this is from a guy with a Patrick Cantlay like bet yesterday. Yeah. I was probably watching more of that USAM 36. I didn't watch
0: 36. any of the regular. Ter- I didn't. Wa- I watched the USAM. I was yeah, on absolutely. Willie Wilcox that. train. That And you're right. And so if they end this thing earlier and then, hey, let's do some match play with it, but maybe not as much as on the line. Like, yeah, I think fans would I think fans would get would be into that. So I think it's worth a shout.
1: Totally. Uh, John, I know I kept you longer than you. I told you I was going to keep you today. I appreciate the heck out of you for being here. Um, Thank you. Can I get really one continue. more bet?
0: Let me get one more bet in for you. I please, it please fire you, away. Rory McElroy. Okay. I saw on DraftKings you could get hole in one odds, right? So yeah. I'm on Rory McElroy at 100 to 1 to make an ace this week. um I just looked at the approach play and he's going to come with that high ball flight. I don't know. I don't know if it's, it's a hard golf course to make aces, but if I'm going to bet anyone this week to make an ace,
1: I'm on Rory McElroy. I love that uh hole in one bet 101 on rory john thank you so much at red house on twitter uh appreciate yep. you being here man appreciate you as always uh have a great night brother thank you thanks for having me on it was a pleasure absolutely all right all right um yeah man that was that was really cool um i appreciate him being pretty open i threw some questions at him that uh were, were a little bit different so um uh, Thank you to John for coming on thank you all for being here I mentioned this earlier in the show please drop your Twitter handle in the YouTube chat now I want to like I want to have I, I have something planned I want to have an understanding of who's watching this show if you're watching it live great if you're watching the replay on Twitter go over to YouTube just drop your name in the comments um, and I, I want to I want to connect uh, I have something that that I kind of want to run by you guys. Okay, final thoughts segment, and then we'll get out of here for the season finale. Just moments, man, and enjoying them. And this came to be as I I dropped my son off for school this morning. Um, You know, it's his first week in kindergarten. Last week, he was super nervous to go in, like walked him all the way in, had to get basically like a teacher to sort of walk him to his class. And today just ran right into school and like no look back, barely gave dad a hug and kiss goodbye. And I'm kind of standing there and I'm I'm super proud of him, but it it really kind of struck me the moments in life. And those of you with kids will hopefully relate to this that are, that are invaluable. Um, You can't put a price on something like that. And, and like all this stuff going around with, with, players jumping to live tour and now the PGA tour players reacting in this way to create this big money, no cut events and sort of a punch back at the live tour for them to earn more money Um, feels a bit like they're missing the mark. And I've been critical on all sides and I, I should have done a better job of letting it marinate off the bat, but there are moments that uh, mean more than money. And a lot of it comes down to your family. A lot of it comes down to um, just, just, Feeling reward and, and self fulfillment and happiness, and and I think back, I you know I read a book really that changed me like two years ago, and the reason I started doing this final thoughts segment, which is a little bit off topic, um, it's not always golf betting, but I wanted to create something that's different that can kind of create a connection for me to to you people watching the show. Um, the law of giving, like the law of giving and receiving, it's it's a it's an energy, it's a dynamic that goes back and forth and. And when you're when you're given moments like this and you're able to receive them, um, the value of that is vast. And it's hard to really um, it's hard to really put into words and assess a a monetary value to it, the importance of it in your life and being grateful. Um, And that brings me back to this. And and I'm super grateful. It's my first year, like hosting this show on my own. And it's much more difficult for those of you um, who aren't aware to sort of host than it is to sort of be, be a guest like I was with Chad. So just kind of taking this thing under my wing and preparing and trying to enhance the graphics and trying to um, be more prepared, be 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 correct, be accurate, be be myself, um, has really been a, 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 an important year for me. So I appreciate all of you for, for giving me that gift of just listening to me, of providing support. There's a couple of people who DM'd me in the last like two weeks. And just said they just checked out the show and they really enjoyed it. And um, that kind of stuff means a lot to me. I work really hard to earn a living so that I can do the things that I like to do that that make my life worth earning. Um, So it's kind of convoluted there. I wish that I was in a position to just make money off doing the thing that I love, but the reality is, is I'm, I'm able to do that. My basic needs for my family are, are met, and I'm thankful for that. And now I'm able to just share my experiences and, and give this podcast out to the world and have people receive it in a way that, that they're grateful for and thankful for. So I appreciate all of you for joining in um, on this show this entire season, for bearing with me through many of the speed bumps that I've been through personally and trying to host this show and take it on. But I really just wanted it to be an extension of me and to feel real and to feel like you're part of, of this preferred lines team. And I know it's just my face right here, um, but I want us all to sort of feel like a team much as I talked to John about, about a whole, whole team atmosphere of it's more than just the player. I want this to feel like more than just me, which is why I make this effort to be vulnerable, to tell you things that are going on to my life. Cause I want you to connect and I want you to feel like when this show wins, maybe it happens one day. Maybe it never does. But at some point, I want you to feel like like that moment when you saw a, a guy at the local bar and then he and then he blew up big and you're like, I was there from the start. I was part of that team. I hope that you feel like that. When I win, I want you to win. Um, if, if Rory – this is my word. This is why I ask for your handle. If Rory McElroy or Justin Thomas win this week, I'm going to distribute all of those winnings for people who put their Twitter handle in the comments of this. If you're sticking with me for this part of the show where I'm no longer talking betting picks, I appreciate the hell out of you. Put your handle in there. I will find a way to reach you. If it's five people, then you're each getting 200 bucks. If Rory wins this week, um, I will find a way to make that happen. Thank you for watching preferred lines this season. Uh, I hope that you all have a great week. Best of luck at the Tour Championship. Try to enjoy it. Like once Thursday kicks off and this thing gets going by like Friday afternoon, it feels normal again. I don't like it. It's the situation in the hand that we're dealt. Uh, Appreciate you checking out Preferred Lines. Give it a like and a subscribe on the way out. Thank you. Peace.